Hi everyone and welcome to another episode of Friday PM. I can't do the woos this time because the rest of the team aren't with me, but I know you're with me in spirit. Today we've got a great, great lady with us. Um, she is a woman of God, she loves the Lord, but she's got an incredible testimony. Revelation says that we overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. And we know that there's an adversary who wants to keep us silent, who wants to keep us um, just mute and not talk about particular issues that affect us in our lives. So Mary is many, many, many things. And uh, hi, Mary. Hi. You are a trained nurse. Yes, I am. Yes. Uh, you're a mother, a grandmother. Many things that I probably don't know. I think you're a bit of a foodie. <laughs> Very much so, yeah. <laughs> Which is good. We're all foodies in this house. But Mary is also a survivor of domestic abuse. We wanted to say all the other things before because this is not her label. This is just something that she's been through, something that she's experienced and something that she's able now to talk about. So Mary... It, we've, it's been so great meeting you. Uh, we met you at a couple of meetings recently, but you've known of Vinesong for a long time. And when we met with you and um, visited with you, we had no idea of the testimony uh, that you had and that you wanted to share with us. And God has really built you up and allowed you to be able to speak now on the issues that you went through with domestic abuse. And I think you had a statement that you wanted to say at the beginning of, of the program. And I think you just go ahead and, and make that statement and we'll go ahead and we'll, we'll speak about your life. Well, the message um, I wanted to say really was that whatever we go through in life, um, God is with us. Um, he's there in good times and bad, and he will get us through. Sometimes we feel that he's not there, but he is there with us. And when we come out the other side, we can see how he has helped us through. Um, and he's done that many, many, many times in my life. Yeah. So, Praise God. You talked about um, in your childhood, and I think we'll just start there. We're not going, we'll just be brief on this, but you talked about your home, what your home life was like when you were growing up. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yes, um, I was one of uh, three children and um, I, I assumed my childhood was normal. Um, I didn't know any difference, but it was, in hindsight, it was very abusive. Um, my mother um, was quite physically abusive to my dad and probably physically to us as well, thinking about it, but very much there was a lot of emotional abuse, a lot of neglect. Um, and I just took it as normal when there was screaming, shouting, hitting going on on a daily basis, um, I just assumed that everybody's home life was like that. I wasn't allowed to bring any friends home 
and I wasn't allowed to go to anyone's houses um, when I was at primary school. So I didn't know any different. That was just what normal life was like to me. It was only when I went to secondary school and I was actually allowed to go and visit friends' houses that I then realised how different their families were, the interactions. Um, instead of constant tears, there was a lot of laughter, uh, you know, around the meal time, t meal table. We always had um, bickering and arguing and shouting. Um, and they had lots of laughter and chatter and it was, it was so striking how different it was. And um, there was a lot of gentleness, a lot of loving rather than all the anger and all the shouting all the time. Mm. And I just slowly realised that my family was dysfunctional, that it wasn't a normal family. Mm -hmm. um, so for many years I thought it was, but... Yeah, but that's the only example that you had yeah. and that's all you knew. That's right. And like you said, it's only when you were able to see something different and see people acting in a different way that you realise that something wasn't quite right. So what, um, so what did you, I mean, what were you able, what did you do about that? What did you resolve when you, you know, as you were growing up? What did you, what did you say to yourself about, you know, when you get older, what, what you were going to do and how you were going to live your life? Well, I, as I was growing up, you know, in, in my childhood, I was always told that it was my fault. If something was wrong, it was my fault. I'd done something or said something wrong. Um, and so when I went to secondary school, I'd always I'd always wanted to be a nurse from when I was three. Um, and that was um, dismissed in my family as a, a pipe dream. Mm. Um, and so when I went to secondary school, I decided that I was going to knuckle down and work really hard because I thought to get out of this family, I need to, you know, work hard and go into nurse training and sort of go into a nurse because in those days there used to be nurses' homes when you did your training. So to get out of the family, I felt that was my ticket out to freedom. Um, so I'd sort of knuckled down and got on with work and just thought, you know, there will be an end day to, to this. And so you achieved your dream, you achieved your goal, despite what was being said in your home. Yeah. Somehow you had some resilience built into you that allowed you to follow through on your dream and you actually achieved it, left the home. At, at what age was that? Eight, 18. And then you went into um, to do nursing to do what you dreamed of doing. I did. I went in to do, th it was a three-year nursing course at that time. And in those days, it was practical. Um, there wasn't the university degree that you needed. It was very much practical and classroom sort of based, but more on the wards. Yeah. Um, you went straight on the wards then. Um, and uh, I was glad to have, you know, left when I did get into nursing home. I thought, nurses home. I thought this is it, you know, I'm free. Um, and um, a few months later I met my husband um, and at, he was very, very attentive to me, very saying all the right things, seemed to be really caring. Um, I was a bit concerned that he wanted to see me every single day as soon as we 
got together. He wanted to see me every single day, even after a long 12-hour shift. He, he wanted to see me, speak to me. Um, and I was a bit unnerved by it, but because I'd never had any positive um, attention from anybody, I took it as this is what love is. Because it wasn't negative, it was all positive. He wanted to be with me all the time. He just wanted me to be with him, not with my friends. And it was he told me it was because he loved me. Um, and I, I believe that. I thought, you know, it was, it was positive, more positive than home yes. had been. So yes. I took it that he was my knight in charming, shining armour and he was yeah. going to take me away from what I had had for 18 years. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And in so in the nurses home, did you develop some good relationships with with the nurses because you're living together and you're working together? So despite wanting to be seen all the time by your then boyfriend, were you still able to strike up reasonable relationships with the with the people around you, with your cohort? Yes, I I could. Um, I because it had been ingrained in me in my early years that I wasn't good enough, that my opinion didn't matter or it was wrong. I was very, very, very shy. Um, so I would go out with a group of friends, but I would always be sort of sitting on the edge, not feeling quite good enough mm -hmm. to be in there, sort of giving my opinions or, you know, telling them what I thought. Mm -hmm. Um, so I, I was always sort of trailing along behind people, not feeling quite right, quite yeah. that I fitted in really. Yeah. Um, just sort of pretending yeah. to be out there, but yeah. inside I just didn't feel right at all. It didn't feel good. Mm. Mm. Interesting. I had no self-esteem, no self-confidence at all. Yeah. And you didn't really have time to build that because you met someone who basically looked like your ticket as well. Yeah. Away from home, away from the abusive relationships that you had at home. And here's somebody who wants to be with you. So that must have boosted you a little bit. Absolutely. Yes. I, I couldn't quite believe it. I kept saying to him, you know, you know, do you want to go off and go with somebody else? You know, I couldn't quite believe that he wanted to be with me all the time and that, you know, he was treating me really well at the beginning yeah nicely yeah so fast forward now you you got married mm -hmm. um, in 1982 yeah. that's the same year that vine song the <laughs> vine song was birthed so uh, you got married in 1982 and and what happened how was the relationship then because you said you already had some we're a bit unnerved by the amount of attention, but you thought that this must be love because nobody's shown me this before. So how were things at, when, you, when you got married? Um, first couple of years, it seemed okay. Um, but very gradually things went downhill. It was so gradual that I didn't really notice it at first. Um, instead of sort of valuing my opinion, he was then, my ex-husband was then criticising my opinion or telling me why I was wrong. If if I said, you know, gave an opinion, he would always say, well, it was wrong because, and he'd give a reason that sounded feasible. So he'd think, oh yes, of course, silly you, of course you're wrong. Mm -hmm. um, and then um, 
he did actually very, very early on, um, after about a year, we actually um, moved um, in together to live together. And it was t totally f very far away from all my family and friends. Mm -hmm. And at that point, I, I didn't drive. Um, mm -hmm. Everything was public transport. And where I was living was like one train an hour, mm -hmm. um, at least an hour, an hour and a half away from family and friends. Mm -hmm. um, so I felt very isolated when, you know, when we moved into this place. Um, and very gradually, he just wore me down over time. Um, when we were going out, I was criticised about what I was wearing. He'd either leave an outfit out that he wanted me to wear or, you know, do you really want to go out in that? It's not quite right. How about something else instead? Mm -hmm. um, and little things like in a restaurant, if I chose a meal in a restaurant, he'd sort of say, well, do you really want that? Because there'd be something else that he'd think would be better for me on the menu or it's just very subtle little things. But all the time it was wearing me down. I kept thinking, you know, what I think is not right. If I thought something, I would never say it because I think, oh, no, that's bound to be wrong. Mm. And I would never say it. Um, he he had control of all the finances right from the beginning. Mm -hmm. So your wage, you would your money would come in. Yeah, the wage came into a joint account. Um, both wages came into a joint account. And then we had a, a separate personal account that we had a little bit of money put in every month that we could use for ourselves. Um, and from the main joint account, he, he sort of paid all the bills. I had no idea about finances. You know, I left home at 18. I'd never had anything to do with finances when I was at home, went into the nurse's home and... So from there, moved in with him. So I had no idea about bills and mortgages and things like that. So I just followed his lead, really. Mm -hmm. If he said we did something, we did it. And, yeah, you know, he had all the ideas of what we do and what we don't do. And I, I just followed along because I thought he was he had more life experiences than me. He was only a couple of years older than me, but I just mm -hmm. felt he knew so much more about life than I did. So yeah. I just followed. So you trusted his, him, yeah, depended absolutely. on him. But slowly but surely, the kind of control was just kind of yeah. was being stepped up little, little yeah, by very, little. It was very, very gradual. And it's just um, al almost, I think they call it gaslighting now, where you're made to think that your mind's not quite right. You know, mm -hmm. you sort of put your car keys down and you come back half an hour later and the car keys aren't there and you think, well, I did put them there. And he turned around and say, well, no, you didn't. You put them in the bedroom, not the kitchen. You know, don't you remember doing it? And I sort of think, no, I don't remember doing that at all. I'm sure I put them on the kitchen table, but I didn't realise at the time. I just thought, well, maybe I did put them in the bedroom. I don't know why, but maybe I did. Um, and it's only afterwards that I've realised, you know, as... Um, sort of the problems with domestic abuse have been aired more and sort mm -hmm. of pe more people are talking about it, um, about all the symptoms and what perpetrators do get up to that um, that I've, you know, realised that that was happening to me all the time. Yeah. So it 
gradually moved from control now. I mean, I went on the government, the UK government website, and they talked about all the different kind of levels. You know, if you might be experiencing domestic abuse, if this or that or, or, or. And it seems like from your story, you, you gradually, you were going from that control, um, your opinions being put down um, to to the to the far to the far spectrum of of domestic abuse. Uh, did that did that happen all at once? The physical did did that happen all at once? Was that something that started um, early on in the marriage, or would you say it's something that that took a little bit of time, or what would well, you say? It it started early on in that we had lots of arguments, and um, he would be physically hitting me during an argument. Mm -hmm. So I just assumed it was because of his temper that he hit, he hit me. Mm -hmm. um, and so therefore, we got to a point where if we were going to have an argument, I just stopped and I changed tact and agreed with him and um, tried to placate, placate. Yeah, him. Um, because I didn't want the argument, I didn't want the hitting. Um, and very gradually over time, it got to the point where he didn't have to hit me because we would start arguing. He would give me a look and I think I've stepped over the boundary. I'm going to I'm going to have problems now if I go any further and I just go off track or walk out or yeah. whatever. Um, and it got to the point where it was just a look. So if we were around a friend's house and something was said and um, I sort of laughed. I'd always look at him to see if it was okay to laugh. And if he was laughing, then it was fine. But if he was giving me a look, I think, no, stop right now. And I, so he didn't need to hit me. I just knew that with this look mm -hmm. that I needed to tr change tra tact or, yeah. you know, do something different. Um, so the abuse then, was just the threat in the background. I was on a sort of heightened alert the whole time. Yeah. Um, I never knew whether it was going to be physical. There were bouts during that time, but it was mostly the coercion and the control. It wasn't physical. It was more the emotional, the financial, sexual, all those yeah. sort of things. Yeah. Um, and it was only towards the end that it then the physical came back in a lot and escalated yeah but uh, yeah during the middle part it it wasn't there at all mm. and during that time because you you were married for quite a long time yes uh, how long 33 were you years for? For 33 years so you married for quite a long time and and during that time did did you ever kind of speak to other people you know just i, I guess to other couples you've met or another woman you kind of speaking about your marriage did you ever speak about anything or did you ever um kind of say something and people thought that was a bit strange did you did that ever happen i felt very ashamed because i always thought it was my fault um because i had said or done the wrong thing and i had made my husband angry um, so therefore, it was my fault, and therefore I was ashamed that I couldn't be a better wife. Mm -hmm. um, I just, yeah, I just blamed myself really. Mm -hmm. um, so I didn't um, confide in in anyone mm -hmm. really at all. I just thought I need to 
do this better. I need to, yes. you know. I need to be a better wife. Yes. You need to be yeah. a better person. Yeah. Yeah. So I asked you a question about, you know, did you ever reveal anything within your marriage? But I remember you also told her, told me and when we were speaking just before you got married, something, there was an incident that happened. Uh, can you, could you tell us about that? Yes. Um, I, I was um, raped. Um, and um, that was a really, really difficult time for me because um, I did know of God, um, but I didn't have a personal relationship with him. And I just kept asking God, why didn't he protect me during that night? Why didn't he get me away? I tried to get away, but couldn't. And why didn't he help me? Um, I was very, very angry at him. Um, and I just felt, you know, I'd felt worthless beforehand anyway. And that just was the crowning glory, really. I just felt really, really dirty for years and years later. I felt really, really dirty and um, that almost that I'd put myself in that situation so I deserved it in a way mm -hmm. um, I'd very very sort of crooked thinking about yeah. it um, because I couldn't talk to anyone about it because I didn't get counselling I didn't talk to friends at all so you didn't tell anybody all, you never disclosed this at all I didn't tell anyone at all so um, so my thinking about it was very disturbed mm -hmm. I just kept thinking that I was really dirty and almost deserved it really in a way. So you you saw that um, Vinesong were in your local area. What was it that attracted you? Because I mean, you see posters of many, many things, you know, you've got um, so many things going on, um, different local events. What was it that attracted you to that particular concert? Um, well, on the poster, it said that it was an a cappella group and I liked that sort of music. Um, so I decided that I would, it was in my local area, so I decided that I would go along and listen to Fine Song. I'd never heard of them. Um, and I was, at that time, I still wasn't a Christian, but I was starting to think about sort of going back to church and, you know, sort of speaking to God in prayer, but very, very simple prayer very attentively because I was still angry at him. Um, and I went to the concert and a piece like a river was sung at the end and it just, the words just flooded over me and I just felt a real warmth inside. Um, and I bought the CD and went home and listened to it and realised, because I hadn't realised before I'd gone to the concert, that it was a Christian group and heard all these words about God's love and protection and how he's able to help you through things. And words were very powerful. Um, and I just started going to a local Methodist church. And so I spoke to a couple of friends there and they talked to me about having a personal relationship with God. And I had seen 
that these friends had something different to what I had. They had a, a peace, a joy um, about them. And when they talked to me about having a personal relationship, I thought, yes, I, I want some of that really. Um, I don't want all this anger inside me, all this bitterness. I do, you know, want to be free of it. Um, so I g gave my life to the Lord, um, which was wonderful. Um, it wasn't all bells and whistles and celebrations. I just sort of did it quietly one evening. Um, again, didn't tell any of my family at all um, about it. And I just thought that Jesus would help me to change. I still thought that I needed to change. So I thought, now I'm a Christian, I've got God's strength inside me and Jesus will help me day to day to change, to be good so that we can result in a happy, mm -hmm. loving marriage. So. I still felt that I needed to strive and do things. So did, did you go to church on your own? Did you go as a couple? What, what, what happened then? Um, I, I was going initially um, just me, um, but then my husband um, decided that he would come back. At that point, we had um, a couple of young children, um, so we we did go back to church as a family. I initially went f for a little while by myself, but uh, we did go as a, a family. And um, I was bowled over by the friendliness, the positivity, the loving that was in that community. And I just um, soaked it up because I'd had so much sort of anger, destruction, negativity in my life that. I just wanted more and more of it, really. Yeah. Um, and I was reading about God's love for me, but I could, I knew it in my head because I was a Christian. He loved me, but I didn't feel it in my heart at all. I still thought I was a bad person and I needed to do better and that he likes every, he loves everyone else, but he doesn't quite love me yet because I'm not yeah. good enough yeah. is what I felt. And when did that start to change? Did that when did that start to change? What what happened um, to 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 make that start to change in you that that you realise it wasn't just you? What happened? Um, it well, it was over time. Really, it took a long time. Um, I had um, different encounters where I felt God was speaking to me personally. Mm -hmm. And with each one, I thought, yes, he does love you and he does care for you as you are, mm -hmm. um, you know, broken, but he still cares for you and loves you as if you were the only person there. Mm -hmm. um, but it did come gradually. Mm -hmm. um, it wasn't an instant thing at all. Yeah. Um, yeah. So you've given your life to the Lord now. Um, did anything change at home? Did anything change for you? Um, regarding the abuse, it didn't change at all. Um, I was changing in that I was beginning to believe that it wasn't just me that was wrong. I wasn't, you know, it wasn't just me doing doing and saying the wrong things, that it was 
a partnership there and therefore we were both responsible. Um, I was just a new Christian, so I was a bit confused. I had the Bible and I would open it and I'd read the words, but they weren't really speaking to me. My mind was all muddled. I was thinking I'm still in this horrible relationship. I'm still very, very unhappy. Um, I'd been promised, you know, my partner for life. And I believe that my husband was my partner for life. Um, but it was all so still so unhappy. So I used to pick up the Bible, look at it. The words used to sort of run around on the page. I used to be really muddled and I just couldn't even pray because I'd sit there and think, well, I don't know what to say. I just want to be out of this unhappiness. Um, so the um, adoration CD from, from yourselves, from Vine Song, um, was my Bible at the time, was my prayers. Um, I would put on the CD and I had, there were six songs, there's, I think there's 15 on the CD, but there were six songs that I would go to, through all these songs and then repeat and go through all these songs again. Just listening to the words, sometimes singing them, sometimes just sitting there in floods of tears, letting these words sort of flow over me really and just um, sometimes just crying out to God saying, why, why aren't you helping me? But sometimes just feeling his love so strongly for me. Um, and there was songs like, he is able, God is able um, to help you through. That was uplifting, but then there'd be another one when it hurts so bad. Um, that was the one I played most. Um, I used to just sing, I couldn't, I couldn't sing that one. I used to just cry floods and floods of tears and I used to play over and over and over. Um, and I would just sit there hugging the Bible because I couldn't open it and pray or read it and just hug the Bible and listen to the, to the CD. Um, when, um, when we did have, um, when my husband was, abusing me after an, an episode, um, I would either go out and grab the CD and play it in the car mm -hmm. driving around, or if I was still in the home, couldn't get out, I would go up to the bedroom and I had a little uh, sort of personal Walkman mm -hmm. and um, or CD player. And I would put, put on the CD and just put on the headphones and just try to block out the pain and what had just happened to try and make sense of it all. Um, so and in the it, middle it of helped your, me through, yeah, it yeah. helped me through the years. It really did help me through the years, the CD. So in the midst of your pain, God gave you the words. So you didn't have the prayer. Yeah. You didn't, you were a new Christian as well. So yeah. you didn't have the language, but God gave you the language yeah. through these songs. I think that's so powerful and not just for us as Vine Song, but I think for any, a Christian minister, anybody who's doing any kind of ministry, that, that we have a responsibility to really connect with God and, and, and ensure that what we put out is from the heart of God because it's for people's lives. Because mm. um, you, you, you mentioned to us that the, the songs literally saved your life. Yeah. 
they did. They did, absolutely. And they told me that there was hope, that he was there in my pain, that he was supporting me, he was walking through it with me. Um, and literally, I just clung to those words in the hope that, you know, things would get better. Yeah, yeah. What I love about what you've been saying is that God gave you the words that you needed to express yourself. You didn't know how to express your hurt and pain and you didn't have to try and think the words up. Here were these songs that God gave you that allowed you to give him back. Well, he gave you the words and you were able to give them back to him and he was able to start doing things in you. So you'd said that you hadn't really, or you, you started to come to the understanding then at that stage that something wasn't right in your marriage. You didn't realize that you were a domestic uh, abuse victim, but you, as a nurse, you'd worked with a, a local agency that worked with um, people who'd been abused um, domestically and they came in and, and gave a talk and you said something happened at this one particular time. They'd been in many times before, but then something happened at this particular time which made you seek help. Yeah, their name was Estas and they uh, work with people in the Surrey area of the country. And... Um, they, at the end of the talk, they said that they work with people that live in Surrey. But this particular talk that she did, she said, also, we work with people, um, we work with people who work in Surrey, not just live in Surrey. Um, and almost looked at me. Um, and I just felt she's definitely talking straight to me. And I just felt the urge to go and speak to her afterwards. And one of the first things I said to her was, I'm not in a domestic abuse situation, but I am in a very, very unhappy marriage that I am always afraid, um, but it's because of his temper, not because I'm being abused. Um, and she just sort of gave me this little sort of grin, like, you know, I've heard this so many times before, you know, I'm not in an abusive relationship, but. Mm -hmm. um, and so she offered for me to go and speak to them. Mm -hmm. So I went, I went to their offices and I had a couple of meetings with them. And again, very gradually over time, I started to accept that I was in an abusive marriage. Um, at first, I kept sort of, when they were saying things or I was reading things that they'd given me to read about abusive relationships, I was thinking, oh, that's similar to mine, but, you know, I'm not getting beaten up every day. I haven't got black eyes. I haven't got broken bones. Um, and it was only over time that I realised this coerciveness, this gaslighting was very much abuse. And it, I'd been worn down so much that I didn't recognise it for quite a long time. Mm. Um, they offered me a place on their freedom programme, which is for domestic abuse victims or survivors. And I did that program and it was doing that program, looking at the perpetrator's traits each week. I just thought it was screaming at me that this is my ex-husband. And at the end of it, I just thought, 
I was just astounded at how abusive it had been and from how early on. Um, and yeah, I just then accepted that, yes, I had been in a, or was in an abusive relationship. So how did the uh, relationship end? Because you're you're here, you've listening to these songs. God is really just um, changing you, and letting you pour out your pain and grief. But then you're still in this relationship. So how how did that come to an end? Because God God was in it all every step of the way, and really kind of did things for you, and decisions were made for you that you didn't necessarily have to make yourself. So how what happened? How did what happened with the marriage? How did it? How did you get out of it? Um, I'd like to say that I did come to my senses and flee, um, but I I didn't. Um, I very much still felt that we were married, meant to be married for life um, as Christians. So um, my husband's had an affair and he came to me and told me that he'd had the affair and that he wanted to end the marriage because of the affair. Um, I spent a few days crying and praying about it and decided that God had put us together so he was big enough and strong enough that he could sort out our problems and therefore, you know, we should stay married. but it wasn't to work out like that. Um, my husband, um, the physical violence came back in at that point, very much so. Um, and every single day I would open the front door and not know whether I was going to be meet, met with a smile or some anger. Um, and that went on for many, many months. Um, so. In the end, I decided that this wasn't what God would want for me. I literally was afraid for my life at times. And I just thought, no, this it's gone beyond saving, really. Um, So I agreed to the divorce, um, got divorced and then went and had some intensive counselling through Estas and... um, realized you know how just how abusive my whole life had been from really from you know from toddler to then really um yeah yeah so it's really only when you are outside of it in a way that wasn't necessarily in a decision that you made but it's almost like god had brought it to that point to pull you out yeah and it was only when I once I was out of it that I could look back and and really see how abusive it was. I I might have, you know, I was I wasn't ha- happy in the marriage. So there were things that I kept thinking, this isn't right, this isn't right. But I used to blank that and think, well, you know, we are meant to be married together. So let's put that aside and let's try and move on and be positive. So. You know, there were things over time that I wasn't happy with, but I just pushed them aside. Um, yeah, but but thankfully you've been able to um, get counselling, yes. get help. Yes. You got the help of Christian friends. Um, in Hebrews, Hebrews 10 verse 24, it says, Let us consider how we might spur one another 
on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. So God coming into your life, giving you those songs, but also giving you a new family, giving you people, believers who um, could pray for you. How important was that for you when you're going through the breakup and and basically subsequently after coming out of the marriage, how important would you say that that was for you? Um, Very, very important. I got to the point where I could actually start opening up the Bible again and and praying. Um, And with the support of uh, my Christian friends who were aware of the problems by then, I had started to open up to just a few Christian friends who I could trust. And... um, they helped me to sort of see that God was in the situation. He wasn't going to just wave his magic wand and whisk me out of there, which is what I'd wanted. But he was actually going to be beside me and help me through. Um, and one of the verses I clung to was Isaiah 43, verses 1 to 3, where it says that Jesus um, is beside you. And as you go through the river, as you go through the fire, Um, It won't overwhelm you. He will be beside you. He will get you through. Um, And I clung to those verses and I knew at the end of it that I would come out alive and that God would be there and would help me, whatever the future looked like, because at the time it was extremely scary because I just didn't know. You know, when I was with my husband, he was my whole life and I couldn't see life without him at all. So I couldn't even consider it when I was with him. So it was very, very scary. So being a Christian has really, really helped me get through it. Um, and as my Christianity, personal Christianity sort of developed and matured, I was able to see how he was with me, how he's guided me through how he's helped me um, to get to the point where I am. That's so amazing. It's so encouraging that that hope that because there may be somebody who's watching that is going through the same thing, similar, going through some sort of hell in their life. What word, How would you encourage them? What would you say to them? It's what would you have welcomed somebody saying to you when you were really in that the depths of despair when you really couldn't talk to anybody? What do you think would have encouraged you? Um, something that I think is really important is that if somebody does say something about abuse, that you believe them, because I always thought. Nobody would believe me if I ever said anything was wrong. My husband was um, very high up in the church and was a sort of perfect, perfect person. Um, sort of outward appearance was very perfect, very polite, very intelligent, very you know easygoing. Everyone loved him. Um, and I just thought if I ever said anything to anyone, they would say, oh, no, definitely not him. Um, and when I did speak to Estas and started telling them 
the problems. The first thing the woman said to me was, I believe you. And I just broke down in tears and was sobbing because I thought that was the first time that I felt I could trust somebody and somebody understood where I was coming from. Yeah. Uh, so it's a big, huge step to take to speak about it in the first place. But if you can find either an organisation or just one friend to tell and you trust them enough and they can just sit there and listen and believe what you're saying, that's a huge, huge step. It's the first step is the hardest step to take. Um, but once you've taken that, then, um, you know, it's there's a lot out there. There's a lot of support out there now for um, victims and survivors of domestic abuse. There's more awareness around. So um, people are more likely to be listened to and helped now than years ago. So we, we're rounding up now, but you, uh, we spoke and you said something really significant. You said that the first step was to tell somebody and for people who are being told just to say, I believe you. But then since that, what has been a way or how has Jesus shown you how much he loves you and demonstrated that love for you? Um. Well, he does, he does every day. Yeah. He's with me every day. I feel him there every day. But there are a few incidences that really sort of stick, stick in my mind where he's been really, really, really there sort of thing. Um, we um, divorced in 2014. And in 2015, um, my daughter uh, was getting married and it was going to be the first time I was going to see my ex-husband since we'd um, divorced and moved out. And he had a new partner by then. And I was, I didn't know how I could cope with one, seeing him again, because I was still so terrified of him. And two, seeing him with somebody else after 33 years together. Um, it was going to be difficult. So... I said that I wanted to meet him a couple of weeks before the wedding with his new partner, just so I could get my head round round it. And he agreed to it. And I, before we went to meet, we were going to meet in a restaurant. And before we we met, I got a few of my Christian friends to be covering the whole meeting in prayer because I I just didn't know how I was going to react whether I could go through with it, whether I would get there and just run away again, be in floods of tears or what. I just didn't know how I was going to react. And um, so I knew that I had prayer cover. And when we went to the restaurant, we were shown to our table and it was a table with four chairs. Um, and they sat down, first of all, and then I sat down and I went automatically to put my bag on the chair next to me which was empty and I heard this really really loud voice really loud voice go oi and I sort of looked at them two 
at my ex-husband and partner and I sort of looked at them thinking they had heard the same thing that I had heard and the blank faces and the voice said oi that's my seat and I just knew just knew 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 that that was Jesus just really saying to me loudly that's my seat I'm with you he might have her there's two against one but there's not two against one there's two against two I'm your partner now. And so I didn't. I, I went to put it on the seat and I just put it down beside me. And during the conversation, I just kept looking to this chair because I just kept thinking, he's there, he's with me, he's helping me. I didn't break down. I felt really strong. I walked out of that restaurant with my head held high. I was not scared at all. And um, I'd even gone on the train up there because I thought I'm going to be so upset I'm not going to be able to drive there or back and I just sat on that train praising God all the way home because it was just amazing I just really really felt him so close Amazing It's a testament isn't it to the love of God that no matter where you are no matter what you're going through no matter what you feel about yourself he's there and he loves you and he will try to try to demonstrate it in so many ways. And all that we need to do is to allow him to do that, to give him the space to be able to express that love that he has for us. And I think we're going to wrap up now. I think you're, this has been an amazing testimony of what God has done in your life. Through many years, you, it wasn't something that happened overnight. There was no magic wand waved and everything was perfect. You had to walk, but God walked with you through everything. Mary, do you think that you'd be able to pray? Just to, as we wrap up, just to pray for somebody who might be in the situation that you were in, just to pray for them, that God would be with them that they would know his comfort, that if they don't know him, that they'd come to know him and that they would have this relationship which really transcends every other relationship and everything else that's going on and that he will bring you through. Dear God, I thank you for this time we've had together. I pray now, Lord, for all the people watching and listening as this is broadcast, Lord. You know who's meant to be listening. You know who's meant to be seeing this conversation that we've had. I pray now, Lord, for the people especially who are either in relationships that are abusive and aware of it or not aware of it. Lord, you know who they are. Please, Lord, may you bring to their minds something that we've shared this evening, something that has been said that will really, really pierce their heart, Lord. You will show them in a real, real, tangible way that you are there for them, you know their situation, you can help them to take the next step, whether, whatever it may be, that you will be there to give them strength, that you will give them hope. Lord, your heart 
just longs, longs, longs to love these people, to care for them, to protect them. But at times when people are going through this abusive stuff, it just, just feels so empty, people feel so alone. And I pray, Lord, now that you will be really, really close to anyone that needs to do something about their relationships. I thank you, Lord, for this opportunity to speak about the negative past, past I've had, to talk about the positive future, Lord. I thank you that you were with me through all that I went through. I thank you that you didn't just pull me out with a magic wand, that you did give me the strength to get through it all, that you have given me the encouragement and the hope for a future of freedom, of more closeness with you, of relying on you, not relying on man as I used to do. And I thank you, God, now from the bottom of my heart for this opportunity, for this ministry that Vinesong have, for these Friday evenings, conversations that go into so many homes around the world, Lord. And I thank you and pray now that people, as they are touched, will act on what God is telling them. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Mary, that was awesome. Thank you for sharing something that's so personal, that's been such a part of your life, but that we know that your story of hope, of how God brought you through, will really be a, a beacon of hope to people who maybe in that situation, or maybe a confirmation for people who've never spoken about what they've been through, but realizing that elements of this were going on in their lives and to realize, actually, I am worth something. I'm not worthless. I'm not stupid. And that God does love me and that he, he really wants to change, turn my life around and give me that abundant life uh, that, he, that I read about, that we read about in the word. We just want to thank you so much for tuning in and for listening wherever you are, if you're on a podcast, to this. If you are going through a situation where you believe that these issues that we've discussed in this interview pertain to you, get help from any local domestic violence or national domestic violence helpline. There are many helplines, there are many numbers. We can put a UK number down. You do not have to suffer in silence. God is with you, God is for you, God loves you, and you are not to be treated or mistreated by anyone. And God will pull you out of your situation. So if you're watching tonight, and you feel that you need to speak to somebody, talk to the Lord, tell him how you feel. Ask him, please bring somebody to help me because I cannot do this on my own. And I know that he will turn your situation around and you'll also have a testimony to share. Mary, do you have a final word or thought that you want to share with us before we go? 
um, a few years ago when I went to a Christian retreat, um, I again felt God was very much speaking to me. We were told to sit quietly and listen to what God was going to say to us individually. And um, I felt God very, very much beside me. He had his arms around me and he turned to me and he said, um, I love you. And I thought, yes, yes, I'm starting to take that on board now. Um, but he also said, you are good enough. And that is the first time that I had really felt that I was good enough, that I had come out of this life of shame and abuse and that God was for me, I was good enough, I was worth something. And I feel that there are people listening to this, watching this right now, that are thinking, I'm not good enough. Um, no one will believe me. I don't know where to go. I don't know what to do about this. But as Rachel has said, um, do turn to the Lord. He is there. He is listening. He will help you through. He will guide you to the right person or organisation. You will be believed. You will be helped. Please make that first, first vital step. And God will honour your courage, your first step, um, and he will get you through. Um, I'm testimony of of having got through it um, and it's onwards and upwards and there is always hope with the Lord. Just turn to the Lord and guide, he will guide you. Amen. Thank you, Mary. You are good enough. Absolutely. That is what the Lord wants you to hear and to know, and I hope that can penetrate through to you. We have a song, as we usually do at the end of each episode. We have a song that we want to play for you on at Mary's request. It was one of the songs that she used to listen to that just gave her hope that she was going to be able to come through this. So as we end tonight, we're going to play My God is Able. Thank you so much for listening and for watching. We're looking forward to seeing you next week on Friday p.m. Bye-bye.
the captives free. You know he healed the sick and he raised the dead. And he walked upon the sea. My God is able. He's able. I know my God is able. I know my God is able to carry me through. My God is able. He's able. I know my God is able. Hello, my God is able to carry me through. My God is able. He's able. Hello, my God is able. Hello, my God is able to carry me through. For He has healed the brokenhearted. He has set the captives free. You know He healed the sick and raised the dead. He walked upon the sea. My God is.